Hello and welcome to episode 484 of Ferg on the Frick. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew RLP. And joining me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Going very well, Andrew. How are you? As well as someone whose team constantly gets fucking flogged could go. Ah, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that's like. All I know no. is victory <laughs> after victory. I was going to say, a, a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. there was an article about um, the AFL team, the West Coast Eagles. Okay. Um, and it was about how their fans would be feeling depression after having after following the team that's been very poor for so long. Mm. I went, obviously, I don't follow it. So I thought, I'll have a look. Mm-hmm. And uh, West Coast were in the grand final about three or four years ago. <laughs> and uh, I thought, well, toughen up, you fucking sad cunts. <laughs> it's sometimes you see that out of Roosters fans, hey, where they're like, <laughs> we just always expect to be good. And it's like, yeah, that's how you know that a Roosters fan hasn't been around for very long. <laughs> you can date them by the sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking uh, of sponsors, the Sharks have, oh, sorry, the Panthers have lost their sponsor, Oak, for next year. Yeah, they've already got one lined up for next year, though. But I'm sure they've got about 35 of them lined up. Yeah, yeah. But it's that's, interesting. My guess say, is... That's one of the longest sponsors that's been around since probably um, City Ford with the Roosters and Smith's Chips with the Bunnies. Probably, yeah. And maybe I, St. George it, Bank as well. My guess is that uh, St. George Bank dipped out from the Dragons, too, recently, I believe. Yeah, well... Dragons probably couldn't keep up with the uh, mortgage repayments. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the thing with Oak, my guess is that it was just Oak couldn't afford whatever the the asking price was, which is uh, understandable, completely understandable, because Oak sort of come in when Penrith weren't going all that well, and now you've got this absolute juggernaut of a team, and of course, the, you know, sponsors are going to be knocking on their door and. I, that's what I'm guessing happened. So it'll be interesting to see who their sponsor is next year. I think that they've been very smart in holding back that announcement until the season's over because Oak deserves to to get all the glory. They're the ones that have sponsored the club for a long time now. Absolutely. Who would be the most Penrith sponsor you could get? High Street Pies. High Street Pies? Yeah, or um, maybe Kebab King. They're, that's on High Street as well. Um, what are, what other ones would there be? Probably I can't Crisp, remember. Sorry, Krispy Kremes. Krispy Kremes, that'd be another one. Uh, there's a tattoo place. I don't know if it's still there. I think it's War Paint. It's either War Paint or Wicked Ink. And I, the reason I, I get them mixed up is because there was one that was, um, one that was in Penrith, and there was one that I got my tattoo at, which was in St. Mary's right next to the train station, but I don't believe it's there anymore. Um, but I used to get those ones mixed up, the name of them. So uh, uh, there's plenty of sponsors. Oh, yeah, they'll be lining up. Leaguefreak.com, how about that? Yeah, there's, I mean, how much are you willing to fork out? Oh, well, I wasn't going to say anything. I was going to let Oak get their moment in the sun. Man. That's fair. Well, we'll come back to this one when the uh, Oak sponsorship's done. Yeah, yeah. What's the day after the grand final? What's a grand final? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I understand the words you're saying, but just on the order you put them in. <laughs> it happens in October. Hey, they play football after August finishes. Just letting you know. 
Bullshit. <laughs> Are you serious? That's when the cricket season starts. I swear. I swear. I mean, my cricket season started just last week. <laughs> oh my. Don't even start me on the cricket. But uh, by the way, <laughs> I, I talked about this with somebody on Twitter not long ago about podcasts that start you just want them to get stuck into their subject and yep. they just ramble about other shit we're doing that right now we're very we sorry. are we are but uh, and usually we get straight into it yeah yeah and we but, save this shit for the end can i just say i, I i'm not watching the ashes i don't care I no, just, I've, I've not seen any of it either the only time i've tuned in is when i've seen the poms of winch about something and go what are they sooking about now look at them going yeah they're fucking sooks and i just can move on but the way they're all fucking winch like they're they carrying on all of them, like a bunch of jerks. That's why I can't watch cricket anymore because it seems like the like your first qualification to be a cricket player is to be just one of the a jerk that no one likes, completely irredeemable. You know, <laughs> I'm serious. They're I mean, all just a bunch of just assholes. In would it be fair to say that in England, most cricketers are just failed tennis players? <laughs> yeah, who aren't much better? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's 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 insane how unlikable all of them are. I, and I'm not just talking about England. I'm talking about all of them. Australia, all of them. Like, uh, I don't like any of them, so I can't watch it. I just don't, and I don't care. It's like, oh, oh this team's a cheat. That's, they're all fucking cheating assholes. I don't care. Most of them, yeah, but I'd say nearly all of them have done some form of cheating in their time. I mean, we had an Australian captain. Okay, who was wrapped up? They were taking fucking sandpaper out in the field, and just fucking sandpaper in the ball. And when he get caught, he cried about it. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well, let's go from the tears of Steve Smith mm-hmm. to the tears of New South Wales fans yeah. with the uh, New South Wales team that was announced uh, yesterday. This is why I tag our podcast as a comedy podcast because of things like this that Brad Fittler has brought to us. He is a fucking genius. Like the satire in this lineup that he has selected is just chef's kiss. Is it? I, I think I said on uh, on Twitter that he was the guessingest coach to ever guessed. <laughs> he really is. Isn't he? <laughs> I I see nothing. That makes sense on here. And no. to make matters uh, funnier is um, Brett Reid, um, Hack Jerno, mm-hmm. sort of had a legitimate sort of question to Greg Alexander about how the fuck Bradman Best got picked. Brett, by, by the way, Brent Reid, uh, Buzz Rothfield Light Light. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's what he like, is. Not just one light, Light Light. Yeah, yeah. He's he's light, low carb, low sugar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, something fancy like pure blonde. <laughs> Ultra zero. Yeah, yeah. It's like you, you you can have all of the fanciest names you want. I'm not I'm not drinking your fucking bottled water, asshole. Yeah, it's basically just cordial. Yeah. I want yeah. a beer, but I want it to be low carb. Yeah. You want a tampon to go with it? <laughs> Ooh, that'll that'll stir someone up. Yeah, um, but yeah, he said, yeah, how the hell did Bradman Best get picked? And Brandy got all arced up and says, how dare you? That's that's been rude to Bradman Best. Mm. And um, I've got to say, Brandy, um, 
How the fuck did Bradman Best get picked? That, that's pretty rude, Andrew. You I gotta what? say. I don't much care. Yeah. I mean, Brad Bradman <laughs> Best is fucking shit. But Someone, someone's gone out there saying, oh, you know, they were picked on good form. Went, Flogging teams at the bottom of the ladder should not be the basis on which teams are picked, but that seems to be what's happened this week. It does. Okay, so let's let's go through the lineup. For uh, Queensland, AJ Brimson's in for uh, the foul-mouthed little twerp up there in Brisbane. Yeah, Reese Walsh. Yeah, that's um, all that they really did to their side. They're fine. And Thomas Flegler's out with an injury. Yeah. So Jermaine Hopgood and Corey Horsburgh have come in. Oh, yeah, they brought in the cry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Big Reds on the bench. So... Here's the betting line. The betting line is 185, even. So either one you pick, you get 185. You get 185 back for a one dollar investment. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is more likely to happen with Corey Horsburgh? Corey Horsburgh goes out and plays well for Queensland. Corey Horsburgh is this the other option? Corey Horsburgh goes out. He has some sort of emotional fucking breakdown. And gets sent to the sin bin. Uh, on his current form this year, I want to have a bet each way. Really? Yeah, because I know I know you're not a fan of him, but this is this has been his best season. And uh, whether his origin quality or not, I don't know. I think bench is about that'll be fine. But uh, and he's he's being helped by a New South Wales picking a a guess who game. Yes. Of fucking players, they they were smart enough though to drop Hudson Young. Yeah. But uh, that's the only smart thing they really did. If you're one of the better <clears throat> forwards for Canberra, who mm-hmm. gives a shit? You're not doing anything. You're crap. <laughs> Hudson Young is better than this dude, and Hudson Young fucking sucks. Mate, um, no, He's I don't. I don't rate. I, I do not rate Hudson Young that high at all. No, if if Osborne is fucking terrible, he's not even a first grader. He should be playing for fucking the fucking Golgong Bulls or whatever the fuck they call themselves <laughs> down there in that shithole of a place. Yeah, I um, I I don't think he's that bad. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah. Especially based on this year's form. He's been pretty handy this year. He's been playing a little bit wide of the ruck, which has probably helped. Mm-hmm. Um, so you think yeah. that you tend to think that he's all right as a player, and I think that he's a uh, bottomless black hole of nothingness. I mean, that's basically most rangers. Okay. Well, and I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not being a, a rangerist there. Where? I kind of classify as one. So I you know, I said the most offensive shit in this podcast so far. No, no. I'm just setting the bar. I tell you what, if they had souls, they'd be really hurting right now. <laughs> they would be fuming, though. <laughs> Fucking angry. Um, so we'll go through the, the changes. So, yeah, Queensland, as you said, Walsh is out, Flagler's out, Horsburgh, Hopgood, and Tom Dearden are in. Uh, for New South Wales, Hudson Young, Jerome Luai, Junior Paulo, Matt Burton, Payne Haas, Stefano Utikamanu, Tom Trebojevic, and Tyson Frizzell are all out. Mm-hmm. And Bradman Best, Clint Gutherson, Cody Walker, Jacob Saifiti, Jake Trebojevic, Keon Collard, Matangi, Regan Campbell-Gillard, Scott Drinkwater, and Spencer Lenu are in. 
Yeah. <sighs> right. So at least and this is the best I can say. Mm-hmm. This is the first time in this, this Origin series mm-hmm. that New South Wales has selected two actual centres to play centre. That was my <laughs> that, only positive as well. That's all I've got. That was my only positive. You stole it. (laughs) He is is slower laterally than his opponent, which will be Valentine Holmes. He's injury prone. They are going to run at him Mm -hmm. all fucking game. Um, Cody Walker and Mitch Moses in the halves. That's doesn't really matter, does it? Like it doesn't matter, but at the same time, that that's not helping Cody Walker any at all. Yeah. Um, well, you're not well, getting anything out of lines. Like just out of it, he's gone. Yeah, I assume he died. Yeah, yeah. They shot him yeah. into the sun. Yeah. Well, they put him on that anyway. Um, <laughs> I don't know where that was going, but man, it must mm, have been good. <laughs> something to do with the Titanic. Okay. <laughs> um, in the forwards, Jake Trebojevic is back. Yeah. <laughs> and Regan keeping Campbell Gillard are back. And I don't know why. I didn't think the New South Wales props were the problem. Well, Payne Haas, they, I think that he is injured. Fine. Uh, okay, Junior Paulo. Is Junior Paulo just dropped? Yep. Okay. Um, well, I'm glad that they brought in a Parramatta forward because their forwards are really good at the moment. Dominating. Yeah. Dominating. Um, I, I, so we've reshuffled, and Damian Cook looks like he might start the game. Which is, I mean, that's actually the right thing to do. Yep. Um, um, Liam Martin's been moved into the back row where he should have been for game one. Yeah, instead of, well, instead of Tyson Frizzell, why would you have Liam Martin, who is... Super damaging, premiership winner, World Cup winner. Why would you have him in a New South Wales team instead of Tyson Frizzell? Yeah, I think you've pretty much summed it up. Yeah. Um, and Koloa Matangi, I mean, another bloke who should have been in the squad for some game one. Mm-hmm. Fucking powerful line runner. And got some good some um, good handling skills as well, close to the line. Um, Cameron Murray at lock. Which means Yo's been dropped to the bench. I don't understand that at all. Yeah, that, that's genius, hey. Again, Yo has not been one of their poor performers. Why would you put him on the bench? Mm. Um, Jacob Sofidis pick because Knights, yay. Yeah, I I um, always think that the the quality players come from Newcastle. Just ask people that are from Newcastle, and then on top of that, I I just don't think we've seen enough Sofidis in State of Origin to work out if they're good or not. Are there any more of them? I Can fucking he, hope not. Does he have, like, is his dad and his grandfather alive? They might be able to get on the extended bench. You think about it. In New South Wales from Newcastle, they've picked Frizzell in this series. Frizzell, Bradman Best, and now Saifidi. Three players from Newcastle. Newcastle mm. sucks. Yeah. Babe, but they flogged some team that's lower them on the ladder. So, you know, they're great now. I know. Um... Reese Robson's on the bench with Clint Gutherson. And all I can tell you about that bench, mm-hmm. very fucking light. Very. One one prop, one hooker, one fullback 5 eighth, and 
Jacob Saifidi. <laughs> What, uh, the, I, what are they doing? Do they not realise it's Origin? You look across at the Queensland bench and they've got, as much as you don't like him, Corey Horsburgh's on there. He's the second rower. And then you've got Waker and Lindsay Collins, two props. They're going to the smash thing, us through the middle. The thing I don't understand, it's like, if if somebody said, I'm playing a rep game tomorrow and I need a bench and I'm not going to tell you who I'm playing, I'm not going to tell you what my team is, pick my bench i'd say prop back rower back rower and a guy that's a utility that can mostly play hooker yeah you know you know it's a it's a really fucking simple thing it's not complicated at all no. and the stupid thing here is we've now got um basically two fullbacks and look if this is what you're going with fine okay but you pick one tedesco or gutherson Right, one goes in your seventeen, one sits on the sits on the extended bench. They're not even in the seventeen, right? Because you're wasting a bench spot there. What's where's Gutherson going to go when he comes onto the field? And who's coming off? A forward's going to come off. Who's moving yeah. into the forwards? Yeah, I I don't understand it whatsoever. Is, what is Bradman Best going to move into the second row? If that's the case, why pick him? But because you, but you could even look at this bench and say, okay, if they've got say. Bradman Best gets injured in the first minute, right? But And I don't know why a New South Wales team would pick an injury-prone centre in a game, but anyway. Well, they did just, it for the first two, but you know. I know, I know. I know. Um, <laughs> say that happens at a stretch. Isaiah Yo can go out there and do something. He's got mobility. It's not ideal, but at least he could do something, you well, know, both, yeah, I mean, style. Both him and Murray can play in the centres. Yes, Right, it's covered. But, but they've picked a fullback, a fullback, so he can cover the centres if and they a, need. And a hooker. Yeah. I did a tweet, and I thought it summed up the New South Wales series very well. Because um, you and me have said like the the thing about it just feels like Brad Fittler didn't have a plan. Okay. Mm-hmm. So just in these this this series this year alone, state of origin, we've had three different centre combinations, three different halves combinations, three different starting hookers, two different front row pairings, three different back row combinations, and three different bench rotations. What could go wrong? That's ah, fine. Everything's fine. It's, it makes no sense. No. And to have Spencer Lanyu on the extended bench, but you've got such a light bench. Mm. Put him on there. Yes. I don't don't understand why they were selecting Spencer Lanyu in these teams anyway, but once you get to game three and... because, Because he got cranky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Spencer Lenu is, is he? He'd probably be sixth or seventh in the Penrith forward pack of their best forwards. And yeah, Penrith is very good, but come on now. Yeah. So I think some players have been picked there for weird reasons. Josh Adokar gets all three games because everyone whinged about him not being there last year when he deserved to be there, and he barely deserves to be there for this game. 
But there, I can't. I honestly can't say. Like, I've got no problem with the wingers, right? No, neither do I. But I'm just saying, like, they could have dropped him and replaced him with somebody else, and there wouldn't have been any real hoo-ha about it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been great this series. He hasn't been yeah. horrible. He's he's okay being there. I've got no issue with him being there, but I've also got no issue if he had been dropped. And, you know, they brought in Alex Johnson or something like that, or you know, I don't know if he can even play for New South Wales. But, yeah, he's, Alex Johnson can, yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. But, you know, they could have done that. I wouldn't, it wouldn't have mattered either way. I'm not going to get upset about that. Mm-hmm. But And Tedesco was always going to have this game. Like, yeah, and as I said, I, I don't... A lot of people are hating on Tedesco there, and I think he's a victim of the stupid, limited gameplay that they've got at the moment. And so he's doing all that he knows how to try and help, but all he's got to work with that's, you know, a big asset to his game even now is his strong running game. But because he's lost just a little bit of pace, he's finding it harder to get round his outside man, which means yeah. he's getting shut down easier yeah. and earlier. So he's not able to set up his... Uh, support runners outside him and that's what's been shutting down plays and if you're a good coach you can spot that and you wouldn't put him there to start with no I also think when you've got Dylan Edwards playing as well as he is it's like people are obviously going to say well why don't we try this guy especially in a dead rubber but at the same time and I think this will be Tedesco's last origin game um, I I, he was always going to be in this team always of course but no, no, I'm fine. You can make a game plan to work around him. And you, it's not like he's, he's a, a problem, okay? Mm. But you can make game plans where you use your centers a lot more than your fullback for that option running. But they seem to be going to Tedesco so often that the Queensland defense, just they just wait on him. Yeah. You watch yeah. them, they slide across until they've got three on three out there, then they just one just runs up on him and shuts him down. They, they don't have to work too hard, and they're not being exploited by him either. Um, I also think with Tedesco, I mean, there was a time for a very, very long time where when you played against any team that Tedesco was in, it was pretty terrifying, and it, it hasn't been like that for a little while now, even in the NRL. Like, when you play against the Roosters, I, it just isn't an issue knowing that Tedesco's out there. It's it's like, oh, yeah, we'll handle him. Well, his problem is he's got no recent, um, you know, time with the current with the rest of the spine but for for the most of these games the last time you played with these spine members were in origin mm. over a year ago but he hasn't played with moses <laughs> other than what one game last year since they were at the tigers together he's only played a handful of games with cody walker at origin and the same goes with damian cook so and they're all very different and those four pieces don't tend to work too well together yeah um, yeah, Walker would work well with Tedesco if Tedesco is on his left hand side, but Tedesco tends to want to be on the inside on the left of mm-hmm. of where Walker would be prefers to be more towards the middle. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit different. Um, Moses is always on the right hand side. Tedesco likes to be on the left more often than not, and so they don't really work too well there. Cook is running very direct, and he just has next to no links whatsoever with Tedesco there, unless Tedesco comes all the way in the middle. And he's not going to do that because Queensland's got a ton of fucking forwards there. Yeah. And he's not going to get anything out of running straight in the middle anyway. So he's better when he's trying to run around or or drifting. So there's no cohesion in that area. Walker and Tedesco will probably work the best together, but how are they going to get the fucking ball? 
Yeah, and, and like normally in a rugby league match, probably from probably under eights upwards, your halves and your hooker are all working together to break down the opposition team around the ruck, around the middle of the field generally, and and that's where your fullback chimes in and stays up close and is looking for those, you know, to to back up your anybody that makes a half break or gets an arm free or anything like that. Well, New South Wales doesn't play like that, so it it just cuts down anything you're doing in the middle of the field. So that's interesting. Um, Walker being selected, and look, Walker and Moses, third combination. Um, it doesn't matter, though, with the way they play. And it's interesting because I've been thinking about Cody Walker this week. And remember when he had that game for New South Wales and he just didn't do anything and people really got in his case. Mm. And I think that now having time to have seen how this all works out under a fitler plan. Um, it, it's made me reevaluate that performance by Cody Walker because the last thing that Cody Walker needs is for someone to say, you stay in this box. <laughs> yes. Don't don't yeah. change from the game plan. Just, you know, and it's the, it, I mean, he must have gone into that camp thinking, why did they select me if they don't want me to be Cody Walker? You know, and, He's not alone because pretty much every half and five eighth that New South Wales have selected under Brad Fittler, that's been what they've been told. It's like you do this thing exactly how I tell you, and it's like, well, they if they selected me to be me, but they don't want me. Um, so yeah, him like him and Moses, you could break it down in a huge way if you wanted to, but they're going to be asked to do the exact same thing in the exact same old model, and it's not going to work and that's it. It's nuts. Yeah. I, had, I think, though, the the halves being zoned right and left, I think that's an Andrew Johns thing. I do too, yeah. And well, it's what you used to do. It's what they used to do in the early 2000s. Yes. You, know? you had a right half and a left half. Yeah. And that was soon found out to not be that helpful. Well, just all people need someone to be running the show. You can't have two people running the show at the same time. Yeah, yeah. The, just look at Queensland's halves in the game. Exact same game, cross the field. Watch what they do. Watch where they are in relation to each other. Watch how they work with the hooker. That's all you got to do. And and you'll see that it's a giant difference. It is, because Munster will happily be the second fiddle to DCE. And he knows that that's his role. Mm-hmm. So that's what works. It's, I, I tell you, what, I've I've got a crazy idea that crazy idea here that would probably help mm-hmm. Cody Walker more than anybody else in this side, which would also help Tedesco. Mm-hmm. And that is, you you move Liam Martin to lock, and you put Cameron Murray and um, Isaiah Yo in the second row because they're both good ball players. You have them just running wider of the ruck. Good defenders out there as well, obviously. Picks mm-hmm. up a bit of defence out there, but they can then start linking up with the centres and the the halves out there, which would help get the ball out a bit more. While you still got Liam Martin being an absolute beast running through the middle. I I think if I was in the year of these players, I'd say whatever Brad Fittler tells you to do, just ignore it. Yeah, when Brad Fittler starts talking, um, just think of your happy place. Yeah. <laughs> Don't listen to anything he says. You know, just 
every now and then just take your shoes off and walk on the grass and you'll think you've been listening. That's pretty much going to get you through. When Andrew John starts talking, just go, yes, Joey, you're the greatest Joey. That, that's all he needs to hear. That's all you got to say. Right? Some, other than that, do your own thing. <laughs> there's some funny shit that, like, you hear that comes out of, like, coaching camps and things like that and like the the walking on the grass stuff and i think there was one a couple of years ago and it was something like they they said that they were going to confiscate the players phones or something silly like that and <laughs> like I, I just imagine if someone said like okay we're taking your phones you got to walk on the grass i'd just be like you go and do that and i'll be over here when you're done you know i'd be more like, I'd be more like is there any chance that when you've got all this horse shit done, we can actually do some training? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I know the horse riding got a lot of uh, criticism when Wayne Pierce did it as New South Wales coach, but he was just trying to give him it. He was just trying to have a team bonding experience that was something, and it didn't work out great, unfortunately. Yeah, and it's because um, they've got next to no time to, yeah. to get together and, and sort of form some sort of bond and relationship with the people that are going to be playing alongside. So I understood look, what he was coming from. Yeah. And and look, <laughs> when, the, when that fucking horse started bucking, <laughs> it's just horrifying. It's like this went, this did, this happened. The worst thing that could have happened did happen. Right. Yeah. But he, and he copped a lot of criticism for it. But I just think that um, if you need to bring grown men into a, a footy camp and treat them like babies, uh, you know, and and feel like you're gonna, you know, change their life and revolutionise things. You've lost. You're already lost. It's it's pretty nuts. Mm. At some point, you've got to say, you know what? They're adults. Yeah. Let's treat them like them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. I can't see this ending well. Um, but I think. How's this for a theory? Queensland lets New South Wales win mm-hmm. just so that it means that New South Wales keeps Brad Fittler on for another year so they can win the next series, series as well. Tanking. Yeah. What do you reckon? Tanking. Yeah, I think that that would be smart of them. Brad Fittler still believes Brad Fittler is the best man for the job, by the way. That was some breaking news yesterday, I believe. Oh, well, you know, if anyone would know, yeah. he's he the can... man. He consulted Tim Sheens, and Tim Sheens said, look, Brad, outside of me, you probably are the best guy to run in South Wales. Funnily enough, he got the same response from Phil Gould. Yeah. Can you, can you imagine? Tim Sheens stands down partially, not from the not from the money and not from the fucking job title, but he stands down as coach of the Tigers and puts it all on Benji Marshall's shoulders. And then Tim Sheens puts his hand up to coach New South Wales next year. <laughs> he says, "Oh, I've I've got experience winning winning uh, Origin series in the past." And going, <laughs> "Yeah, before all of these players were born." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the same thing with fucking Phil Gould, hey? Like I say, people saying Phil Gould is master coach. It's like, not in this millennium. <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope. Uh, it's. It's uh, it's bad. But there's there was a news article where, um, oh, who was it? Alex McKinnon gave his his view on who he reckons would be the best replacement coach. Let me guess. Is it yeah. a John's brother? Nope. Ooh, who is it? It's not an Australian. What? 
Sam Burgess. No, he didn't. He did. No. Yep. What? Sam Burgess. Why? I don't know. Maybe he likes drink drivers. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that shocked me. That's made me snort my cocaine across the table. Uh, um, that's, that makes no sense. That makes no sense. No, zero. Yeah. Zero. What um, the fuck? Yeah, I wouldn't have Sam Burgess anywhere near any head coach role anywhere. No, or a car. <laughs> I mean, we could go on for a while with that list, but yeah, it might yeah, start getting yeah. a bit too incriminating. I was lining shit up, eh? Hey? Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> that's what he said. Um, yeah, that's... Yeah. yeah. Why not Why not just have fucking... I don't know. I would just have Blocker Roach as the coach. Why not? Fuck it. Who's a fucking Blocker? Put Blocker in. Do you, do you reckon Blocker would do worse than fucking Brad Fittler? Blocker would just pick a bunch of... Um, cranky, angry people would have a fight for 20 minutes. That, that'd be his game plan. Oh, when you get the ball, drop it so you can have a scrum and just fucking punch. Imagine if we, we picked Blocker and he just picks a, just a bunch of dudes that are real, like, straightforward, no bullshit football players that remind him. And, and he just fucking, for whatever reason, that's like, Malmeninga 2.0. <laughs> he just, he just, for some reason, that's the formula. He's just a bunch of a bunch of blokes I want to punch on. Like David Clemmer yeah. becomes captain. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's fucking picking guys out of New South Wales Cup because they're a bit fat, you know. Yeah, that's like, right. I like, my, I like my fullbacks to have a bit of meat on the bone. <laughs> that's you know? right. We don't, we're not going to get bullied around. Yeah. Actually, you know, just every game they just got blokes punching on, and the rest are too scared to send anyone off because it's Origin. So he just literally punching. doesn't. He literally doesn't pick wingers because they don't do anything according to him. <laughs> no, it's no, sorry. Like, Every, everyone's just a second rower except for the props. All the yeah. forward packs props, and everyone else is a second rower. And they they just win three nothing, three nothing, three nothing. <laughs> William Martin's the fullback. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, you know, it's a bit small for what I wanted, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So I'm I'm here for the blockers team now. I want to see how this goes. I, okay, we, I would I would rather blockers team than fucking whatever this is by Brad Fittler, Let me tell you, because at least you know what blockers are going for. Yeah, fucking Bradman best, dead set. Uh, Bradman best. I tweeted a couple of weeks ago. He is re- Bradman best is reliably unreliable. <laughs> you know, he's, just, he's one of those players that dumb people thinks he's a good footy player. Hey, it's. It's nuts. It's nuts. I I don't get why he's there. But, uh, well, I mean, Newcastle, obviously. Yeah. Why the so. fuck do we keep picking Knights players? Because we've got former Knights players on the bloody coaching squad. It's so dumb. Yeah. It's so dumb. They're crap. They're crap for a reason. Yeah. When was the last time you saw Newcastle Knights play and you went, wow, that was a really impressive performance? I know, right? <laughs> Like, the only time that you ever watch a Newcastle team play and you're like, ooh, they played well, it's normally Kalen Ponga, you know? Oh, Kalen yeah. Ponga's having a game, you know? Yeah. And that's it. In those first three years, or two years that he was at the club. Yeah. Like, <laughs> in the last 10 years, who's been the best Knights player? It's been Kalen Ponga. Pretty much, yeah. 
Yeah. Can you name anyone else that's even close to him? Last 10 years. 10 years. Mitchell Pierce. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, that's the way it is. It's terrible. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's crazy. Now, um, Sean from the Rugby League Project, he's he's put out a team. I've heard of him before. You've heard of him? Yeah, we've still got him on the payroll. Yeah, he's still around. Okay, yeah, that's pick, that's fair enough. He's still picking up the checks. Yeah. Um, he he put together a side of New South Wales Origin players who only played one Origin game. Okay. Okay, and this this is, um, obviously his his lineup. So he's got here. David Peachy, Hazamel Masri, Michael Butner, Brett Rodwell, Ricky Walford, Scott Carter, Nico Hines, Mark Sargent, Dean Young, Ryan O'Hara, Matt Pryor, Scott Goulet, Terry Madison. And uh, you've got Luke Keary also on the bench. Mm-hmm. With uh, who else would there be? Stefano Utikamanu. Um, there's a few others as well, but that, that's what he had was that, that 13. I added the last two. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Not too bad a side, to be honest. Yeah, I was just thinking, Mark Sargent, people wouldn't understand how good a player he was. And for all that talk about other players that were instrumental in in the making Newcastle a very good team in the 90s, I don't think anyone was more instrumental than him. And by the time they become premiers, uh, he'd retired. But he was just such a good leader and a fantastic forward. Like... It's kind of shocking that I think it shows that he just in any other era, I think he would have played multiple origins, but he was around at a time where he had so many incredible players that were forwards at that time. Um, It's just, it was hard for any of them to get a game. I mean, that's why Mark Geyer has so few origins, you know? Yeah. So many great forwards around there. Yeah. Yeah, Sergeant was, was a brilliant prop. Yeah. Um, Scott Goulet, big, Tall, rangy second rower. Um, yeah, he was, he was played good. for Australia in '91, I think, too. Um, and Terry Madison. I mean, God, he was—he just kept going. Yeah, he was super reliable. Yep. Um, um, Ricky Walford played, um, got a high level in throughout the '80s and '90s. Yeah, he was fantastic. He, he was, was one. Score. He was like one of those guys that was always one of the top five wingers. Yeah, absolutely, always. Yeah. Um, Scott Carter. Fucking loved his work. Yeah. And he would work really well alongside Nico Hines. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And Hines and Peachy would work really well together. Hines and Peachy? Yeah, they would. It's it, Peachy was another one. Just <clears throat> unfortunate. Just unfortunate timing. Yeah, I mean, career. he came up against basically the end of the Tim Brasher era and the start of the Anthony Minicello one. Yeah, I feel like there was someone else in there. Who was it? There was some. I mean, even uh, Brett Mullins was there. Oh, yeah. Brett, Brett Mullins as well, around the same time. Yeah. 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 Just unlucky. You know, sometimes you're just unlucky. Yeah. So, pretty pretty damn decent side that. Yeah. And uh, even today, it'd be better than the current one that you thought I was picked. Just they flog them. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Butner up against. Uh, Bremen best. Michael Butner was a really good player. Yeah, good good ball skills. They had a good boot on him too. Basically, not too much difference between him and Burton, to be honest, as far as the way they played. Yeah, I I would say, I feel like Butner had, it was a little bit more, with his running game, I feel like it was a little bit more speed. Just a little bit more speed, whereas 
I feel as though with Burton, there's a size element to his runner game, which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he he was a really good partner with um, Jason Taylor. Like they were, they had a really good combination of things as a halves partnership. Um, unfortunately, Jason Taylor was Jason Taylor when you get to the finals, you know. Yeah. Now was it was it Scott Carter or was it Brad Izzard who completely fucking folded Benny Elias in the tackle one? Do you mean Steve Carter? Steve Carter? Yeah. What did I say? Scott. Scott Carter. Yeah. I knew I knew you meant Steve though. Yeah, um, Steve Carter. Yeah. Scott Carter actually did play around the same time. He played for Newcastle though. I did he. Okay. Yeah. He was, um, was from the New South Wales country area up there. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. That's that's yeah. a that's a fuck up on my behalf. I've remembered the wrong Carter, the the lesser of the two. Yeah, Steve Carter. Was it Steve Carter or Brad Izzard that folded Benny? I feel like, because you've, you've shown me this video like five times. <laughs> it's, it's one of the greatest tackles I've ever seen. Not just because it's Benny on the receiving end. He just he fucking buried him. I'm pretty sure it's uh, it was Brad Izzard that did that. <laughs> That's one of the best one-on-one tackles you'll ever see. Completely legal yeah. too. Well, yeah, he just crushed him. I mean, it was legal then. You get penalised now. I had somebody on my timeline, they were watching a grand final from the 80s, or it was a game, I think, from the 80s, and I was saying how shocking it was to see the the tackling that was allowed. And I was saying how you and me, uh, instead of recording podcasts, there'd be nights where we'd be watching, like, some of the grand finals from, like, the 70s and the 60s and stuff, and, like, the shit you see in that, which is, like, <laughs> just players just deciding to assault someone in a random day. Yeah, that that just happens. Yeah, just like what for whatever reason, this tackle, I'm just going to hit this guy in the head and punch him, and that's yeah. it. But apparently, those are the good old days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when crowds would write and come onto the field with fence palings and shit like that, and want to stab people. Back uh, when beer had all its fucking carbs, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the good old days. Ah, oh, the good There's old. Nothing days. like murder. Yeah. I should bring murder back to rugby league. Back in, back in, now we're just at homicide, you know? Every, I like the 70s when you could try and, like, take someone's head off completely and no one even batted an eyelid. And now these days, John Hopawati fucking digitally assaults someone and everyone gets up in arms about it. It's just a bit of fingering. Oh, oh. It gets a, a bit out of shape over it. Yeah, just... Just calm down. If you haven't been fingered on a football field, have you ever played? That's right. Are you even rugby leaguing? Exactly. <laughs> now, um, speaking of hard rugby league, mm-hmm. on Rugby League Project recently, we added in all the results of the uh, the Mar Cup. And the yes. Mar Cup was a, a competition that was running basically the Riverina, uh, you know, southern part of New South Wales from the 1920 to 1970. Two or seventy-three, somewhere like that. I think it was. Mm-hmm. Let me get that right. Seventy-one. Um, and the way it worked was, so for the first game, Tumor played Gundagai. The winner of that game um, was given the mark up, and every game you played, you defended it. So you could lose it straight away the next week. Yep. So it changed hands a lot. Um, but besides. The some of the results because most of the most of the results were pretty close. There were a few crazy that with some of these games. And before I go into some of them, because there's some crackers here. Yeah. This this Mark Cup got such uh, it was so well renowned, especially in the 
30s, 40s, and 50s um, as being possibly the toughest competition to play in. The players from, you know, test players from England would come to Australia for one year mm-hmm. to play in the country just to compete in this. Wow. There was Australian test players that played in it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it was pretty revered for quite a while and, and pretty fascinating. There'd be up to 20 games every year. So you, the potential was you could actually have 20 people holding the, the cup mm-hmm. in a year. So everything's on the line every single game. What, what better way could you go about it, eh? Very so, cool. <clears throat> the very first game, um, Gundagai turned up and they didn't have all of their players available. So they got a few of their, um, a few of the people who were supporting them from the crowd to come into the team until the <laughs> team bus arrived. <laughs> and that's how we started. Um, there was a, there's been a bunch of, uh, protest over results because of players coming in from different areas and stuff like that. And that meant that um, results would be overturned and the title handed to another team, even if they lost. And Mm -hmm. even if the team that won wrongfully had defended the title the week after. Mm -hmm. Um, There's another game here where um, Murrumburu 1923 had to call in three players from other regions because their tour bus had broken down. (laughs) Here's one here from 1926. Mm-hmm. Um, Juni protested over Tamora's refusal to play because it was the uh, the show day in Tamora. <laughs> Can't miss show day. Can't miss show day. Um, there's a game here where Kudamundra scored a try after the full-time siren and Juni refused to hand the trophy over because it cost them the match. Kudamundra won the game 3-0. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Um, shortly, shortly after there was because there was the protesting had become so frequent. Yeah, the people organising the competition decided that what they'll do is they will take the cup at the end of the season and they would place it in a vault. And so the team at the end of the year who's won it will actually have the the actual trophy handed to them, even though other teams could win it during the year. The team I see. At the yeah, end of the yeah. year would have the actual trophy handed to them. <laughs> And then taken off them for the start of the next season and put in the vault. That's so rugby league. You just get to a point where it's like teams are losing and going, no, nah, if you haven't got the cuff, you haven't got it, have you? We're not giving it to you. <laughs> in uh, 1931, Young were the uh, champions and they lost to Tamora 25-10 in what was called the most savage markup game ever. It actually resulted in the crowd rushing onto the field to get involved in the violence. That's always good. The week after that, um, they had a rematch, and Tamora defended the title. But before the game, the local police came up to the match and gave all the players a warning before the game started. <laughs> shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, what else we got here? There was a protest over a referee. I've been meaning to look into that one because that sounds mm-hmm. pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um in 1936, mm-hmm. there's some very heavy rain, and they decided to play a few games. Uh, one of them was actually played on a ground that was completely inundated by water. Oh, really? And obviously. No one scored any points. It was nil all. <laughs> Man, that would have been some uh, rough footy, like, it, under those rules, oh, like yeah. water on the field like that, that wouldn't have been fun. No. 
um, a game in 1937 between Cowra and West Wylong had to be delayed because um, there is a set of three brothers, the Templeman brothers, who were playing for West Wylong. They yeah. were involved in a car accident on the way to the game. So they just oh, waited for them to turn up, however they were going to get there. Oh, jeez. They turned up and played. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Cowra refused to hand over the cup in 1938. Um, there's another game here where Fred Fred and Baden Broad both played for West Wylong. And the reason why that was interesting is um, Fred was Baden's uh, father. Oh, wow. Father and son playing in the same team. That's cool. Yeah. Um, there's a game here which was abandoned after, just after halftime due to all of the violence. Oh, man, that's crazy. <laughs> um, Can you imagine being the referee at that game, right? And you're probably at that point of consulting with the police, I'm guessing, or someone like that. And like, it's so violent. And you know that if you call it off, there's going to be a, now they're both angry at you. You know Hmm. what I mean? So imagine how violent it has to be to call it off. Exactly. Um, So we're getting into the, I mean, that that's actually read about the start of when this, you know, the, the aura over this competition started to really pick up. Uh-huh. Um, in 1940, there was a protest over the referee being incompetent and they wanted to have a replay. But uh, they were told that uh, the result would stand. Was that by Graham Annesley? <laughs> Probably was. Um, in 1940, so this, is, this is another interesting part of it. You were, you were drawn to play, um, to play your games. Uh-huh. I think it might have been a random at some stage. But there was an allegation here in 1940 that Gundagai were looking to sell their their place in the draw. Oh, wow. To make some money. Um, I, these, and these are things I've only just sort of come across. So I've got to look into these a bit further. But some of these have got some absolutely brilliant stories behind them, which is going to make for a great read. Um, in 1945, Cara had to get nine players from local army camps because the uh, the war effort took too many of their players away from them. Oh, that's interesting. Um, here's a game here in 1947 with junior captain coach Joe Jorgensen, who actually was a test player, I believe. Yeah, he, well, I'm pretty sure he was, yeah. Just disappeared. What do you mean he disappeared? Like... He went missing. <laughs> I've had something better to do. <laughs> That's strange. Where's Jorgo? Fucking that, He's just gone for a stroll. He'll be back soon. He's off to the pub. Um, in 1948, vandals flooded the ground the night before West Wild went to play Cowra. Oh, that's rough. I wonder why they did that. I, I wonder if there was a player that was injured and he just needed another week. So they said, let's flood the ground, put it back. Something like that, you know. Um, it could have been. Um, a game in 1950 at Bar Medman. Um, had the ground described as being a mixture of glue and a skating rink. Wow. That's that's one of the things that uh, you don't hear too much about uh, over really the last 40 years or so is that the state of the ground having an actual effect on the game. Yeah. Like I know we've had a game in the snow in Canberra and stuff like that, but the, you've still been able to play footy, you know, all right. Even when it's poured down up in Newcastle, and and they've had to postpone the 
the match for a bit during the downpour. Like that, it's still not too bad, but the the thing of like the ground being frozen or the ground being just like just clay, horrible to play in and, and stuff like that. You don't hear about that too much. No, that's right. It's I think you know modern grounds these days have got all that great drainage stuff on them. Whereas these things were just bloody much played on someone's paddock. On a paddock, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, in 1951, a game between Gundagai and Cowra saw around 400 people from the crowd invade the field, and the uh, the violence was so bad the referee had to be escorted out of town. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> um, 1952, the competition was marred by a lot of bad weather. So one game between Gundagai and Grenfell, the weather was so bad that the radio commentary had to be done from inside the commentator's own car. <laughs> <laughs> the following the following week, yeah, at the same venue, Gundagai playing against Young. Heavy rain during the game got, was, got so bad and so intense, the field was inundated and some spectators had to be rescued. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> So the rain continued. So two weeks after that, yeah. we're still playing. Gundagai is still holding the title, so they're still playing their games at home. Yeah. But the game had to be moved away from their home ground due to the continuing flooding of the ground. It was played on a place called Lindley's Lawn, and I think it was legitimately someone's paddock. Really? Yes. Um, and near the end of that year, wild violence between players immediately after full time. Um, apparently went on for about 10 minutes after the game and ended and everyone, all the referees had left. <laughs> just oh, left them fighting. They just left. They're like, fuck it. Game's <laughs> over. I've done my job. I'm leaving. Um, Kuda Mudra's captain, Roly McDonald, played on after fracturing his leg. Oh, my God. This is still 1952. Yeah. It's a crazy one. Um, this is one where we, we'd like to have the bunker for. Okay. The referee disallowed a try to Tamora because, and this is his ruling, the ball was not forced due to the player being unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, I, I mean, if you're lying on top of a ball and you're unconscious, you have put down with pressure on it, even if you don't know you have. That's right. <laughs> but it, I, I, you, I, you've got to go by the referee. got to go by the referee. <laughs> Um, the following year, again, we're a Gundagai. Um, there was a house fire in Gundagai during the game and it had to be fought by the local nuns because all of the firefighters were at the game and unaware of what was going on. <laughs> imagine, imagine your house is on fire and nuns turn up. You'd be, you'd be like, this is either a really good sign or a really bad sign. <laughs> and when what what happens if your house burns down and the nuns say, we did everything we did. It's like, you really? You couldn't have talked someone upstairs about this? <laughs> yeah, no one could have helped. <laughs> yeah, like you couldn't have asked for some divine intervention. You really did everything. Yeah. Maybe you should get another profession. And firefighting wouldn't be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the fucking flying nun on the top of the fucking... That's great. Oh, it's country rugby league for you, mate. 1954. Yeah. Um at near the end of the game between Kudamundra and Young, the referee was knocked out by a spectator. Oh, God. <laughs> After the game, match officials got involved in a fight. Man, that's crazy. Imagine match officials back then too, old players and stuff. <laughs> I, I bet they could scrap. Oh, yeah, they would. They would. 
1955, Barn Medman beat June East 72 to 3. It's the highest score, I think, in the whole competition. Yeah. Um, June played most of the game with just 11 men. Oh, wow. Yeah. West Tigers are ragey. They lost by worse than that with 13. <laughs> with 13. Or oh, 17, even. Yeah. yeah, but that, you know, Junie was a modern rugby league team. <laughs> <laughs> um, 1955 still. Um, the actual cup was stolen shortly after the, the game between Young and Tumut, and it was found later under a culvert. The newly found cup was then handed to more afterwards. You just dust it off. Here you go. It's like See? the rugby. It's like the rugby league world cup trophy. Yeah, that was found it. in the ditch. It was doing it before the rugby league world cup got onto it. Rugby yeah. league world cup's just copying what the country are already just doing. Copying it. It, it makes you wonder, like, is that a good thing or a bad thing about rugby league? Because I can see the thing of like you want to hold the trophy in reverence, but at the same time, uh, it's just a fucking trophy. <laughs> Um, 1963, another referee attacked by a spectator, which almost caused a riot. Wow. Um, there was a game at Tumut in 1965 that was played in the snow, and that was in August. Oh, really? Wow. Um, I'd say I I guess that that Canberra game was the first modern day game, uh, the first first grade game played in snow. Then, yeah. Yeah, well, there would have been a bunch uh, from. Group 13 and Group 9, because they played, you know, up around Batlow and stuff like that, which is up near the mountain. So they would have played games in the snow there. Yeah. Um, fairly sure. But that was most of it. Eventually it got down to the point where the crowd started to get pretty low. Yeah. Um, so they started reducing the number of games every year to try and keep interest in it, but um, it wasn't working. Travel became a bit too much for some of the teams as well. So they restricted it to just teams in uh, Group 9, which is just yeah. in the Riverina. Yeah, uh, but it only lasted another two seasons after that, and then they just stopped it altogether. Tumut won the last ever one, forty-three to four against Young. So they they're the eternal holders of the Mark Cup. Holders. Uh, it's yeah, it sounds like a little bit like it was a a a tournament of its time, I guess. Yes, yes. That's um, really interesting. So there's there's three of these cups in in Australia which are really prominent outside of the capital cities. The other two are in Queensland. One's the Foley Shield, mm-hmm. and the other one is the Balimba Cup. Mm-hmm. And so the Mark Cup's the, the prominent one in New South Wales. I wanted to get in there, so that's in there. So I've started doing the Balimba Cup. Um, that's going to take a bit more time. And then the Foley Shield will come after that, which was basically North Queensland, I think. Okay. But they were all – these country leagues were fucking intense, as you can mm-hmm. – as you get the impression of through that. Yeah. And tough. And everyone wanted to test themselves on that because they saw that as being the biggest physical test of your ability. It wasn't ability on skill, it's on toughness. And that's yeah. what drew a lot of players to it. Yeah, and the thing is too, like there, there used to be a thing in, in uh, mainly when it was the New South Wales Rugby League where a player could come from the country and they would be like a, a professional quality player. Um, whereas now if you get someone that's come from the country, they've been like a, a basically a kid that's come into an NRL team's first grade setup. Like Isaiah Yo, he's from Bathurst, I think, or some some fucking place like that. I'm from the yeah. city everywhere is fucking just Bathurst or some place like that. And uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a snob, but you not know if it's if it, as soon as you hit the mountains, who gives a fuck? Um I bet you wouldn't say that to Nigel Plum. <laughs> Where's he from? 
Oh, who gives La- a fuck? Lady um, Smith. Where's he from? Lady Smith. I've never even heard of it. It's out near Wagga. Okay. Um, so yeah. It's just it's just different, you know, when you the, when a team used to get a player from the country, and that's why City versus Country was interesting. Yeah. Well, that that was the the great contrast of styles. You saw the the class and the skill of the city versus the brutality and the violence of the country. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And um, and then when and but then when it turned into well, these are all players that uh, basically they all live in in cities, you know. Yeah. They used to live in the country when they were kids. And, and then when they started saying, well, Gosford's country and Newcastle's country, it's like, let's fucking scrap this shit. No. This when, they said, when they started saying Newcastle and, you know, Wollongong country, I'm like, yeah. yeah, country with ocean views. Yeah, it's so dumb. Yeah. I, didn't we talk about it once where it was like country should be something like, uh, maybe we didn't do this on the podcast, where it was like country had to be 100 kilometres uh, in from the coast, at the very least. Yeah, something like that, and, and yeah. have a population under a hundred thousand. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I th- I'm sure we come up with something like that. I don't know if we recorded it though, because what they were doing was they were just trying to trying to make the country team competitive. Yeah, country wasn't trying to be competitive half that time. They just wanted to test themselves against the city boys and probably just bash a few of them. Yeah, yeah. Because that was always the thing with, with city versus country. Country just wanted to show how tough they were. Well, the, when it had its, it, like it had its mini revival, when it was like uh, Mark Carroll and, and Paul Harrigan beating the snot out of each other, and and people like in the years following that would be like, oh, I remember watching it when they beat each other up. So it's like, no, you remember a little part of a series that had long since had lost its fucking relevance at that point. It had, yeah. Like, the only game that was that was worth watching back in those days um, was not the main game, but the city first versus country first, because that was actually mm-hmm. when they picked players actually living and playing in the country rugby league. Yeah, yeah. They played against the like the reserve grade city team. Yeah, like that if you got, was a good game. If you got right now, if you got say. Like if you had a country team picked from all the groups and you played it against a team that was picked out of the uh, Ron Massey Cup, for instance, mm. that'd be good. That'd be good to watch. Bloody oath! It would be very good to watch. It'd be very entertaining. <laughs> but that, but like when you saw started seeing like Matt Orford from Gosford being picked in the countryside, <laughs> it was like, who the fuck are they? Getting? This is so dumb. Yeah, they're like, going down the path where it was going to go any further. Sooner, sooner enough, you'd find that. Penrith and Campbelltown were going to be called country. Oh, no, I bet, I bet there was somebody that said to Campbelltown, are we sure that's the city? Um, like, like even Paul Harrigan. I mean, Paul Harrigan was playing in the country team. He was from Newcastle and was a fucking millionaire at that point. Like, he's not a country boy. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, he'd never seen a, seen a real life sheep in his life. You have to have – what are some of the things you had to do? You had to <laughs> you had to have fixed a fence, but oh, like, yeah, yeah. A, a fence that you couldn't see the end of, okay? Yeah. You had to uh, – uh, have ridden a tractor. You had to have been elbow deep inside of an animal. <laughs> yes. Which, listeners, one of us has been. And I don't yes. Know. Um, and not elbow deep either. Shoulder deep. You shoulder had to go all deep. the way in there to get that fucking thing out. Fuck, that was a good night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> 
country stuff. Um, oh, shit. You have to have eaten something that was grown on your property. Yeah, eat a pet. Eat a pet. <laughs> you have to have put down an animal you loved. Yeah. 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 That, that, that's normal. Killed a snake. Killed a snake, yeah. yeah. Seen a snake and not needed to kill it because you didn't care at that point. Well, it was more of the fact of, you know, there was some that you let go. Yeah. I don't know, that sounds foreign to a lot of city people, but you don't kill the black snakes because they, they kill the brown snake's eggs. Yes. Black snake's not going to kill you. Brown one will. So, you know, take the less of the two evils. The black snake's there to help you. Yeah. You might lose a limb to it. Don't, but Don't kill it, you on. fucking idiots. Look after yeah. it. Besides, the black snake will run away from you. Browns are fucking, they're, they're psychos. Aggressive, yeah. I saw a video that was posted on social media. I think I saw it yesterday where it was a, it said it was a young American girl picked up a baby brown snake thinking it was some other snake and she was basically putting it somewhere else in her garden. People freaking out about it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's crazy. That's, yeah. That's fucking scary. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it, isn't it weird we live in a country where we've got, like, animals where, like, you've got the red-bellied black snake, right? I remember mm-hmm. we had one of those seen in our school when I, when I was in school. And uh, so we couldn't go out for, at lunchtime because of it. And it's just weird. You have these things just everywhere. And we had, one day in my primary school, a yeah. massive fucking goanna. This thing was about, I don't know, three metres long. Whoa, really? Yeah, we just watched it go across the soccer ground that we had there and just climb up this fucking tree. And we're like, okay. That's crazy. Can we play soccer now? The thing was fucking massive. Never saw it again. Someone probably shot and ate it, I guess. But, you know, I didn't I didn't see any of the kids from school eating any any lizard for lunch, so it might have been someone else. Oh, I bet going to taste like shit, hey? Oh, it'd be a bit gamey, I reckon. Yeah, chewy as fuck. Yeah. But uh, that was that was pretty crazy. That was the that was the craziest thing I saw. Yeah, that's that's in, that's insane. Three feet, you reckon? Meters, meters. Holy shit! It was fucking long. It was a massive fucking thing. That's crazy. Yeah. When it climbed up the tree, it looked like a tree climbing up a tree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you... I was little. It might have it might have only been two meters because I was a kid. But it was it was fucking huge. Yeah, that, the closest we got to that was when someone would find a um, blue tongue lizard. That was always exciting. Oh, yes. Tree, that was in Trigui Public School, what I went to. Um, every so often there'd be a blue tongue lizard. That, that was about as good as I got. I never saw the snake, hey? Never saw a snake? No, I didn't see the snake that was in the school. Oh, you, right. Do you know, because I've had, like, Poms ask me about all snakes and stuff, and I've, I've been like, yeah, you don't have to worry about it, really. And then uh, I remember I was with an English friend, and we were we were going through Queensland together, and we were, we were driving. We'd gone to some uh, – there was a waterfall near uh, the Gold Coast, and I said, let's drive to this waterfall. So we drive there, and we were stuffed. We'd been at um, the Crocodile Hunters fucking zoo all day. And it was on the way back to, for where we were staying. So I said, let's try drive to this place. Anyway, we get there. The fucking thing's closed because someone had jumped off of it. And so we're stuffed. We're driving back. And I fucking saw it. I was driving. I saw a, um, a snake. And, a, and I, I, had, I ran over it. 
I couldn't not run over it. And I didn't say anything because I knew that, that she'd freak out and I didn't want to freak her out. But the whole drive, I was thinking, please don't be the one that flicks up into the undercarriage. <laughs> just be <laughs> just be fucking back on the road somewhere and yeah, I'll never see you again. Just be dead. That's what you want it to be. I really did. I really, really. Did. <laughs> uh, I, I told. I told her like I, I can't remember when. I, I think I told her two days later or something. Because uh, yeah, I didn't want to freak out. I had one come into the house. I was living in Queensland. Did you? What type? Uh, baby brown. Oh Jesus! <sighs> what did you do? I got my three iron out and I fucking nailed it. Whoa, really? Yeah, and then I went. Well, if there's a baby brown here, where's Mama Brown? Yeah. So we left that place about two days later. <laughs> yeah, no wonder. Yeah, I'd be out of there. Yeah. I wouldn't know what to do with I. Th- I think, you know what I would do? I would get a shovel and try and cut it at the back of its head and know that its head can still bite you and kill you, you know? <laughs> yeah, my old man hit, killed him with an axe once. Yeah. Yeah. I went, mm, handle's a bit short for my liking. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I think a shovel is is not too bad. Yeah, shovel's all right. The The first snake I killed was a black snake, and that was with a, uh, a whippersnipper. Oh, really? Did it do yeah. the job pretty quick? Yeah, it popped its head up, and I went, what was that? And it popped its head up again, and it, and it had a steel blade on it, and I just went, ka-ching! Ah, oh, steel bladed. I was thinking of the... Oh, yeah, I was... Ones. I was cleaning up all the grass around the local hall because, you know, you've got to do volunteer work when you're living in the country because no one else will fucking do it. So I was yeah, clearing all the grass out of there and you have to use the one with this steel blade on it because the grass is like three foot high and it's yeah. about one acre blocks. It's just the easiest way to do it. Going around, he just stuck his head up and ping. Fucking great noise. <laughs> I bet it was. I bet it was so satisfying yeah. too. Ching, and I went, where's the rest of them? <laughs> oh, you know what would have worried me is you do that and then I, the whole rest of the day, I'd be thinking, did part of its fang snip off and hit me in the leg or something? And I don't know, and I'm really about to die. <laughs> oh, the first thing I do is because you, you, all you're doing after that is you're constantly like you're, you're using, swimming, sweeping in an arc when you're cutting the grass, but you keep looking around behind you going, nothing fucking behind me is there. Yeah, true. Right, you sneaky cunts. <laughs> oh, man. They slide out anywhere, man. Yeah. Anyway. We should go back to talking about sport. What else is going on? <laughs> I think that's pretty much it. Hey, it's mainly the origin news come out. I don't think anything new has come out um, today or, or recently. Um, I haven't been watching Twitter too much because of the uh, the limits. I just can't be bothered with it all that much. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think we've covered everything. Hey? Oh, uh, Toby Sexton is now a bulldog. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, so and that's a good move for the Bulldogs. I think he played pretty well for the Gold Coast. I thought it was short-sighted to drop him when they did. Um, so I think he's a good pickup for them. Absolutely, he is. Makes um, you wonder where's Cole Flanagan going. Well, I'm going to go out on edge here. Yeah. I reckon he's going to go to the Dragons. Yeah, so do I. Don't know why. You know. Sure, there's a, a place that's opened itself up there, and you know his dad's coaching there, but that's all just got to be coincidence. I'm sure it is. I'm sure yeah. it is. Do you reckon that is, if they could do a deal tomorrow to get Cole Flanagan to the Dragons, do you reckon Ben Hunt gets his immediate release? Yes. Yeah. So do I. 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if the uh, the new coach decides to sit down with his new halfback and says, right, uh, look, we really need a halfback. We've just lost our good one, our best one. Mm-hmm. Would you come here if we gave you, say, $2.5 million a year on the proviso that you gave about 25% of that to your father? <laughs> yeah. Yes, Dad, I'll sign. <laughs> Thanks, son. Oh, man. They also, the Dragons also are uh, told, what's that center's name? He thinks he's awesome. Back he's Lomax. Yeah, Lomax. He's the Norfolumer of the, the Dragons. Um, they told him that he can he can seek other clubs if he wanted to, which I think is a good move by the Dragons. I don't rate him at all. I wonder where he would go. Because I reckon if he goes to a team with a good coach, they will turn him into something quite useful. I have been telling everyone he feels so West Tiger to me. He, he does. He feels hard West Tiger. Yeah. Like I the West Tiger. Awesome. I think the Tigers have actually just lost one of their halves, uh, centers to Manly as well. And, and I feel like they'd be like, look, we, we get let's pay overs for him. He's a goal kicker too, leaving out the fact he can't kick from the sideline. <laughs> wow, you know, that's not a problem if you're not scoring tries. It, you just score tries in front, man. No, it's not a problem if you... We're not, we're not scoring tries. So you don't need to worry about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His success rate, success rate with the boot with the West Tigers is going to be at 100% because they're not going to score tries, you see. He wouldn't, he wouldn't have missed one last week, would he? He's the best goal kicker in the competition. <laughs> see? Up, up there for thinking, down there for dancing. Yeah, exactly. Who else has done some signings here? Um, there was some news here. The Brokers have extended Martin to power for a further year. Should be there till 2024. Yeah, why not? As long as he's on a, a small deal. Yeah. Um, Sebastian Chris has been locked in at the Raiders until the end of 2027. They love to lock in a team that's done nothing down there. Yep. Um, Sexton, as you said, has gone to the Dogs till the end of 2024. So I guess that's finishing off his current deal. Yeah, probably. So uh, that means the Titans will be paying for that one. They'd be paying part of it. That'll be new to Phil Gould, someone else paying part of the player's contract. He'll find a way to give money to someone else. <laughs> he'll pay. He'll he'll end up paying for Kyle Flanagan to play at the bloody Dragons. Yes. Um, Tommy Talao, he's also going to Manly from the Tigers. Another one. Yeah, and uh, Jackson Paulo is going from the Roosters to Manly as well. Okay. Um, so Mealy's picking up quite a few outs, uh, outside backs there, three quarters. How many of them make you go anything more than, hmm? All right, well, let's have a look here. They've got uh, Ben Trebojevic. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they try and move him to fullback. Yes, 100%. Um. Christian Tuopolotu, he's a bit hot and cold at times. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Saab, he was really good for a few years, and he's been quiet this year. I think he's missing um, Tom Draboyevich being at his insanely high level of awesomeness. Uh, yeah, he's I not, think, getting the, not getting the opportunities outside him. I think that he's one of those players where, he, like, if you – Taking his game in short spurts, you can 
you can look at it and be like, wow. But when you watch enough of it, you can go, ah, oh, okay. Mm. But yeah, it's, that's basically the most of what they've got there. I want to have a look now at what the West Tigers have got. Because uh, I've not looked at this. Yeah. So looking at the the squads they've got for the rest of the um, rest of this year and going into next year as well. Yeah. <clears throat> so the Tigers are going uh, off contract this year for the West Tigers is mm-hmm. Alex Safar, uh, Api Salami Salkaru. I don't even know if he's. I think he might have only played one or two games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon Wakeham, Charlie Staines, Dane Laurie. Uh, and Tukey Simpkins, they're the ones that are off contract for this okay. year. Um, I mean, Wake. The weird thing about Wakeham is he's he's probably been their best half. <laughs> yep, yep. It's crazy. Uh, and then like Staines, uh, I, I I can't see them re-signing Staines, unfortunately. Um, Dane Laurie is interesting. Well, he's now been moved to five eighth. Because why not? Um, yeah, why not? <laughs> I think he'd have been able to make a, a good fist of it if he had been training there during the off season. Yeah, he'd have been fine. But just to throw him there after you've had him playing at fullback in lower grades, like if you're going to put him in lower grades with the intention of bringing him into the halves, then put him at five eighth in the lower grades. Mm. Like get him trained up there. That was nuts. But. Um, that's pretty much it for next year. They, they've got Adam Dewey off contract. Alex, Alex Twoll. Wow. The try scorer. Um, Appy Corusau. Appy's um, off contract at the end of well, next year. He's signed to 2024, but there's a an option for either him or the club to take up for the year after. So. Oh, I, I, tell, you, I tell you what. I bet it's not an option on both sides. I bet uh, it's one side. Apparently it is. It's, it's on then, the NRO website. It says it's a mutual option. Okay. But uh, Do you, ooh, I, don't think you'll, I don't think you'll take it. No, I wouldn't take it. Unless it was – unless he couldn't get – he's definitely going to be able to get a better deal than that. Yeah. Definitely. Even if it's even if it's a really good deal he's on there now, he's going to be able to get more with an extended contract unless the Tigers – come back to the table with an extended contract for him. That's why it's weird for there to be an option both ways, you know? Mm. Like if the Tigers wanted to, if the Tigers wanted to enact it, well, they just offer him a new contract. Yeah. Interesting. But the thing looking at here that's interesting is the Tigers are about to embark on a mass clean-out because this is all of the players, okay, they've got signed for 2025 out of the current squad. Okay. Naden, Clemmer, Nofaluma, Pole, Papali'i, Buller, Bateman. That's it. <laughs> Bateman's one of them. That's hilarious. Bateman's there to 2026. He's and, got and the longest contract. What the fucking fuck? Yep. Um, <laughs> what a terrible signing he's been. Stefano Tikamanu has a mutual option for 2025. I reckon he'll get signed by somebody else. Yeah, same here. Um, Matamua has a club option so they'll probably sign him if he, if he doesn't come any better and Clemmer has a mutual option for 2026 and I'll be surprised if he goes to England at the end of 2025 to be honest 
un- unless <clears throat> that deal is on there is good enough for him to enact it, and it's more than he'll get in England. That's crazy that he's one of the longest tenured, like has one of the longest contracts going forward for the Tigers. That's some, that's crazy. That's so fucking crazy. And that's the that's the core that they're going to hand over to Benji Marshall allegedly. Yeah, those seven fucking players. Ridiculous. That's it. Out of a thirty man squad, they've got seven for twenty twenty five. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, and they've got no gains for next year yet either. They've lost two players and gained none so far. Man, I, th- I think that there's going to be some back rolls that are available from the Panthers. They've got too many back rolls. Um, and that they're going to, there's just going to be a bunch of them are going to say, look, I need game time. Man, Do you have man. any um, like spare centers, wingers, halves, five eighths, hookers? Props and second rows. Actually, you know, probably even locks as well. We've got some. You've got um, a few of those there. <laughs> you um, take, why don't the West Tigers just sign our New South Wales Cup team? That'd work. Actually, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. And in return, we'll give you Nofaluma. Would you? Okay. So I'm just thinking of the players that Penrith, not necessarily that are extras, but like you could make it. So say Cogger, right? Yep. And then Talon May is coming back. Uh, yeah, Talon May is coming back for next year probably because of his knee injury. So there's going to be a, a spot there for one of those outside backs for the Panthers. There's one too many of them, you know. So you could get one of them. I know Crichton's leaving. Nah, scratch yeah. that. You're fucked. Um, oh, Tyron Peachy's off contract at the end of this year. You know what, Peachy? He'd go well at the Tigers. Peachy to the Tigers. I can see that working. Um, Especially if you brought him in with the idea of playing him everywhere as a a 5'8 centre lock wing, you know? Hooker. Hooker. Yeah. He's got to be able to play hooker as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But don't tell him that, though. No, 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 no. We'll just figure it out on game day. Yeah. 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 As he's running out. Well, I wouldn't wouldn't be doing it that early. <laughs> when he's on the field, they're about to kick off. The trainer runs up. Ste- steady on, mister. I've got a plan ahead. <laughs> what am I, fucking Brad Fittler over here? What's going on? Uh, Fuck, it's the West Tigers, man. You just do this shit on the fly. Jack Cogger. Would you rather have Jack Cogger? Or, right, I'm talking right now. Or... Luke Brooks. I oh, know I'm being cruel right now asking you this. Yeah. This is cruel. This is me saying to you, pick pick a favourite child. <laughs> or pick a worse one. <laughs> pick a worse one. Which one of your kids is the worst? Here's the weird thing. I haven't got kids, right? But I bet if you said to a parent, Pick your favourite child, they'd be like, oh, I can't, I can't. Pick a worse child. Oh, it's that one, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's more, it's not so much I can't, but I won't when it comes yeah. to picking your favourite. Yeah, yeah. We've all got our favourites. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe Cogger only because he does know how to organise. But I think on raw skill base... Brooks is slightly ahead. Okay. But I, 
I agree. You need, you, need, you, need more than, you need more than just the base skills to be a halfback. You've got to be able to organise, and that's been Brooks's downfall the yeah. whole time. Yeah. And so it's because of that that instead of being in the conversation with, you know, the top six or seven halfbacks in the competition where his skill set probably would put him close to that, he's down in the conversation with the bottom three or four halfbacks in the competition because he can't organise. Mm-hmm. So people like Chad Townsend, who have got a very limited skill set, are rated higher than him because they can at least do some organisation where Brooks has just got none. Yeah. I'm just trying to find uh, the name of this dude. Hang on, hang on. Let me find him. Let me find him. Okay. So, Jake Clifford. Jake Clifford. Jake Clifford, former former Knight, former North Queensland Cowboy. He's currently overplaying for Hull FC. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's... been, he's super league tainted. I won't take him. Okay, now here's what I'm thinking. If I'm Jake Clifford, and he said he doesn't want to stay there, he, he's coming back home. He just he definitely wants to come back to Australia. If I'm Jake Clifford, what he's not happy living in Hull. I can't believe it. With all of those ocean views, sometimes, <laughs> and sometimes it's a mudplain. Sometimes with that beautiful fresh air. Sometimes, yeah. Um, well, it depends. Is diesel fresh? <laughs> you got the, the the lovely refinery out there in Immingham. East Hull smells different. <laughs> you can smell when you get in East Hull. Oh yeah. Um, you, the trauma makes sure you never forget it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jake Clifford's over there. Is there a better way for him to make himself super super? wanted by NRL clubs than to sign for the Panthers and do what Sullivan did last year and what Cogger has done this year and just put himself in a really a top grade side for three or four weeks and just this is me, this is what I've got and see what happens. That would be the best way for him to get back into an NRL contract, long term yeah. one. Yeah. But in saying that, he's his style of play does not suit Penrith at all, and it wouldn't work. You don't reckon? No, I reckon what would happen is he'd end up costing Panthers a game somewhere, somehow. Mm-hmm. And people would go, hmm, well, if he couldn't win at Penrith, fuck that guy. <laughs> and so you've got to be – like, that's why Cogger and O'Sullivan were good, because they're um, more traditional halfbacks. Yeah. Um, very good organising skills, good kicking games. Whereas Clifford's yeah. a little bit more erratic with that sort of stuff. Yeah, the kicking game's the key to it. Yeah. Like behind that Panthers pack when they're doing their job right, it, it, if you can boot the ball down the field, you're looking good already, you know? That's right. And, yeah, Clifford's just a bit – he's a bit too inconsistent to be um, capable of getting earning himself a contract out of Penrith. Do you reckon that Penrith could coach him to do that? In a quick enough time. Because remember they got Tevita Pangai Jr. from the Broncos a couple of years ago and his stock was really low. And he'd already signed with the Bulldogs, so that's not why he got his contract at the Bulldogs. But Penrith, in that very short time, they turned him from a really erratic, making silly mistakes to just being a a real meat and potatoes sort of forward who was really effective. Yeah, I think it's a little bit different because Pangai Jr. was... 
like a devastating ball run on Tomalolo levels almost. Yeah. And then started trying to introduce more finesse type things to his game, mm. which started to backfire on him because mm-hmm. he stopped doing the, the thing that made him dominant. Um, and you piled on top of that his ill discipline on the field. Yeah. And what, what Penrith did, what Cleary did, is he just said, run the ball. Mm. Yeah. Like if, if you've got an opportunity to and you can see supporters around you, go for an offload, absolutely. But that's it. I just want you to run the ball. And he kept it so simple for him. It was it was too hard to fuck up. I and That's what worked. <clears throat> when I watch him for the Bulldogs, I still have this fantasy of them buying out his contract or something or paying him to go elsewhere and Penrith gets him on a discount and, like, that's, you know, this time next year, people are like, what the fuck? This is unfair, you know? Because yeah. they they turned him into something amazing. And it was yeah. by, by as you say, getting rid of all of the crap. Just run the ball. Some people, that's all they need. Mm. I mean, we, we saw it a little bit at the start of Maria Hargrave's career when he went to the Roosters. Mm. He's trying to do all this sort of fancy fucking hit and spin, bloody offload down the back or passing along through the line. You're like, just run the ball, man. That's yeah. your strength, and it's a fucking good strength. And for the last three or four years, he's been doing that, just that running the ball hard thing so well. People looking at him going, man, it's almost the best form of his career. And you're going, well, yeah, it is, but it's because he's gone back to just doing the the one thing that he is really dominant at, and that's mm. fucking carries through the middle. I think uh, Kikau is a little bit of that too. When he When he really focused it on the second half of last year, where he played his best football, it was just run the ball. Anything that happens off the back of that, worry about that later on. But if you run the ball as hard and as fast as you can, everything else is is going to work. So forget about everything else. Just run the ball hard, you know? Yeah, the thing that happened that helped him too is he started, he's not just run the ball hard, he started running straight again. Mm, yeah, and yeah. Fuck me, you just can't stop him when he starts running straight. Because he's getting it's, between a centre and a five-eighth. I mean, good fucking luck. Yeah, and it, look, it's crazy that he he played all of that football and was just, I mean, he very rarely got injured. He had his injuries here and there, but it wasn't like he was out for big chunks. He's gone to the Bulldogs. He's basically not been seen this year, unfortunately. Um, it sucks. It yeah, sucks for him. He's got a bit of the uh, Kieran Foran about him. Yeah, it'll be good for Penrith when we get him a couple of years down the road, cheap as chips. Yeah, and then you dish him off to the Titans. <laughs> How do you reckon about Kieran Foran's form this year? Because everyone's like, oh, my God, he's so amazing. And I think he's been okay. Yeah, he's been okay. But then again, yeah. he was he was just okay at Manly. Um, I agree. But when you've got Cherry Evans outside, you're doing most of the work as a, as a playmaker. Mm. Being okay is all you've got to do. Yeah. And that's the problem that they've got with Schuster is that he's not good enough to be okay yet. Yeah, true, true. And it, Luke Brooks can do okay. So that's why he will work there. But I don't – that baffled me when you told me last week, yeah, that uh, they've signed Schuster as well. Like, why? It's so, it's super, super dumb. That, that's the worst signing out of the two. Because <sighs> you, you know what the skill set is that Brooks has got, and you know that he can perform at five-eighths with a, an organising half next to him. Yeah, it's a, it's a bad signing as far as how much it's going to cost, even though he's taken a pay cut. He's still being overpaid for what he's going to p- produce. 
but he's going to be a more effective ball player than Schuster has shown so far. I, so why I give Schuster an upgraded contract? And where's he going to play? He's not going to be a half a five eighth anymore. Yeah, that's why I wonder. If, I wonder if DCA next year. I, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not saying next year DCA's gone, but I, I think that's when it'll start. But do you reckon DCA any... would go to the Dolphins? Would he go to the Dolphins? Maybe. Maybe. They've got young Katoa there, and he looks good. But, geez, imagine what he'd do with an apprenticeship under DCE. Yeah, exactly. You exactly. just put him at six so he doesn't have all the pressure of being a playmaker on him at a young age. Not that he can't handle it because he's shown that he can. But he's going to have a much better house partner than the one he's currently got. It, if I was the Broncos and I had to give someone, say, a three-year deal and it's going forward, and I know that the team's good, I know we're in window, I would rather give a three-year deal to DCE than Adam Reynolds. Yes, and, absolutely. And, and um, there's nothing against Adam Reynolds, but he does get injured when it comes to finals time. DCE just doesn't get injured. No, that's pretty much the only difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I I would like to see DCE go to the Dolphins. for It might just be two or three seasons, probably two, but um, two years there. How old's DCE? He's, what, 31? I thought he was like 33 or something. I'm always wrong at these, though. I'm, I'm weirdly good at it. You are insanely good. Almost stalkerish good. <laughs> I really am. Oh, we're both wrong. He's, thir- he's 34. Whoa, okay. Man. He turns, he turns 34 in February, so he'll be 35 at the start of next season. He doesn't I, look it. I, I, I've seen no problems with the three-year deal. He, he's not losing anything. I'd definitely give him two, and just an option, an option for the third team option for the third, maybe. But How yeah, many games has he played? He's played two hundred ninety-seven. So he's yeah, he's about to get to his three hundredth. I wonder if the Jared Croker Wankfest for his three hundredth is going to carry over for DCE, or whether they'll <laughs> just give him a wide berth, given that he plays for Manly. Do you reckon? <laughs> you know, the the media does have a bit of a thing against Manly. That, which is that, which is odd, given how many stories people within the Manly Club have broken to the media. Yeah, true. I I wonder if uh, the the thing with DC when he gets his three hundred, it's going to be weird compared to Croker because that we actually be able to show things that DCE has won and achieved. <laughs> it's going to be really strange, like big <laughs> moments where he stood up and was counted and he did something positive. Made a tackle. Yeah, it's just going to be really weird. So who's it going to be against? Uh, the Dragons in Wollongong. Oh, man. <laughs> Do you reckon that DCE is so vital to the Seagulls that they'll be able to just not play him until they play yet Manly again? Well, the thing is, if he... the thing is, after that, they play the Roosters at the SCG, then they play Penrith at Brookvale. Oh, you don't want to do it against Penn. <laughs> nah, so we'll bring up his friends at the Wind Stadium. <laughs> I found that so funny. It's like, he's such a big part of the club, so we dropped him this week so we can play in Canberra next well, week. The other, the other option is, right, he plays he plays against the Cowboys. Yeah. And the Sharks, which is the next two games. Yeah. And then he sits out the games against the Dragons, the Roosters, the Panthers, the Warriors, the Bulldogs, and he comes back for round 27 of Brookvale against the Tigers. 
<laughs> he can score like 34 points in his 300th game. Wouldn't that be a great way to bring it home? In front of the home crowd, they'll be they'll be throwing confetti and asbestos in the air in celebration. It'll be great. It will be fantastic. Um, I reckon they'll they'll just play against the Dragons. Yeah, yeah, and likely carve them up. Let's check out his record against the Dragons. Because, you know, we can do that here. Five wins and ten losses. Five wins, ten losses. That's a bit surprising, hey? That's a lot worse than I thought it would be. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, maybe you should skip that one. He's, lost, was... his lo- he's lost his last three games against the, the Dragons, and he's lost seven of his last eight games against them. I wonder his, if last, it, his last win was 2019, and the win before that was 2016. Wow. I wonder, you know how manly every so often they just go on this dreadful run mm-hmm. where they just look absolutely abysmal? I wonder if that keeps on happening around the time they play the Dragons. Possibly, yeah. We got the, he hasn't beaten Penrith since 2018. It's weird hearing stats like that for Penrith. <laughs> I'm still not used to it. <laughs> That's fucking nuts. Is there any team he's got as an absolute bunny side? Canberra, 15 wins, 5 losses. Yeah, but, you know, it's only Canberra. The crazy one. Here's the crazy one to do in. And I did this the other week. Put in Jerome Luai and look at his winning record against teams. Is it, is it crazy? It doesn't make sense. It, like, you look at it and you're like, it's it's better than even what Penrith seemed to be going. 81.82%. 81 wins and 17 losses. 17 losses. He's, but then, he's, played, he's played 99 games. He's going to be playing his 100th this weekend. Yeah, and then, but then if you go to his, his record versus opponents, yep. he's got a winning record against every club except the Dolphins because he hasn't played them yet. And you know which team he's got the worst record against? Parramatta, is it? Tigers. Oh, that's right. It was Tigers, and it was like two wins, three losses. Uh, that's it, yeah. Three wins, two losses, I mean. Three wins, two losses. Yeah. And then... He's never and lost then, to the he's never lost to the Roosters in eight games. Mm-hmm. He's never lost to Manly in six. Never mm-hmm. lost to the Knights in six. Never lost to the Cowboys in four. Never lost to the Dragons in five. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. I, and I, this is what I was looking up the other week when I was blowing up the Rugby League Project timeline. Um, it, it Like, because it, it's him, his record and the finals winning percentage, um, which is like 80-something percent as well. And then I was trying to find someone in the Panthers side that was better, and it was really him and Stephen Crichton were pretty similar to each other. And then everyone else was kind, unless they'd played one or two games in the finals, then it was a bit different. Um, and then I started looking all time, and I'm so I like the first player you go to, Norm Proven. How's it stack up? Better than Proven's winning record. Shorter career so far, but just the fact that it's lower than Norm Proven's record is crazy. Um, I can't remember the name of the dude that I found that was. I think it was Eddie Lumsden. It was, yeah, that's it. And, which. Like you've bring his record up because people won't believe it. Uh, right, what have we got here? Yeah, eighty-eight point two percent success rate. And, and what was it in the finals? 
in the finals. Um, where do we have that one? That, that's on his main profile. Yeah, there it is. Uh, 18 wins, two losses, so it's 90%. That's crazy. That's so crazy. <laughs> so he turned up at St. George at precisely the right time. Yep. 1957. Um, they started their run in 1956. Mm-hmm. And he finished with them in 1966, which is the last year of their run. And he was the, like, because I'd went through a bunch of players and I'm trying to, I went through all of them. And, and the the thing that got me was Luai was better than all of them. They'd, they'd had a, a decent number of games, you know? Yeah. And as you say, Luai's coming up to his 100th game. So I wasn't going for 20 game plays and stuff. And so, and Lumsden was the one that I could find. There might be somebody better, I don't know, but I would be, you'd be hard-pressed to find it. And especially with that many games in the finals, that was the thing for me. You had to have had a, enough finals games where it was like, oh, yeah, this dude played a bunch of finals, you know? Yeah, well, there'll be a bunch of guys that played in the early years. Yeah. Um, but they wouldn't have played as many finals games because yeah. finals weren't mandatory. But... There'll probably be a bunch in those early years that had better win records. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can find some of them. So we'll go 1908 to 1940. Okay. Because there, there was, I think I put in, I think I put in Dally Messenger and it was pretty quickly, I, when I looked at his record, I was like, oh, you can't really use him, you know, because it was a bit all over the place. Yeah. Um. I don't have win percentages on him. Damn. Um, let's have a look here. So from 1908 to 1940, Benny Waring had the most wins. Mm-hmm. He won 133 of 172 games. Damn, that's good. That's 77%. That's crazy. And the wise better than that. Yeah. It's got a crazy number. George Trawick, 86 wins from 119. That's still going to be lower. That's 72. Yeah. Alan Wrighton, 76 76 wins from 95 games. That's still lower. Oh, yeah. That's 80%. Well, it's it's right there. I think, what was Luai's? It was like 80.23 or something. Yeah. We've got... Oscar Quinn Liven, who played for South, he had 75 wins from 93 games. What's that at? What's that win rate? That, that's 80.6%. 80.6. I mean, that like that's like I would count that one. You know, he's he's nearly up towards 100 games. Then uh, we'll look at say Dave Brown. He won 74.7% of games, 65 wins from 87 games. In 87 games, he scored 617 points. <laughs> I think Dave Brown was one of the ones I looked up and because there were certain players, you, you know, you, you put in Churchill and stuff like that. I knew it wouldn't be Churchill, though, because I knew he was in a, an era where he had to really do some battles, you know. Um, yeah. But, there, yeah, Dave Brown was one that I looked up and I, I, I was because I thought he would have, he would have been right there as well. But, it, like, and when I say right there, you win 74% of your games, you are an out-and-out winner. Oh, like, absolutely. You are. Uh, everyone thinks you're fucking unbeatable at that point, you know? 
Let's see what else we've got here. Oh, these ones aren't looking too good. Yeah, Eddie Lumsden was pretty fucking insane. Um, he was the one where I stopped looking. Hey, yeah, I, I could get um, could get my staff to have a look. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Sean Dolan. Um, he, he earns every penny. Yeah, any <laughs> that I don't pay, <laughs> and more. Yeah, Eddie Lumsden sticks out there because I'm yeah. looking at 1949. To 1970. Yeah. Um, Ian Walsh had 73 wins from 94 games, which is still less than 80. Um, yeah, there's some. It's a pretty insane figure. I think even the likes of yeah. Cameron Smith and Billy Slater were just in the low uh, 78 or so percent. They were, I think they were 70s from memory. I think, like, anything above. Like seventy was kind oh, yeah. of crazy. It was the outliers, yeah. Because the yes. first person I put in was Cameron Monster, you know. Ah, uh, Cameron Smith, sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's no, it's pretty crazy what some yeah. of these uh, win records are like. Um, what's that on? Reg Gasney, I didn't check him out. I think I checked him out, and it wasn't as high. Eighty-three point eight seven. What's his yeah. finals record? Uh... 13 wins from 16 games. Okay. Why did I not? I did him. Is that as, as high as, because I posted them. You saw I was posting them. Yeah. I can't remember if I posted Reg Gasney's record. It's almost certain I did. There's there's only a few seasons we've got left to put in to, yeah. to get the, the full lot done. So we've just recently finished the 1968 season. So we've got... Yeah. 69 to 73 left to put in. Okay. The last four or five seasons there. So um, that's almost done. We hope to get that done this year. It's interesting when I was I was going through trying to think of the errors that maybe the record could be above what Luis was. And it's it like that cuts it down a lot, you know, because um, you've got to have sort of enough games played in it. So, like the modern day, they play more games than they did, you know, once you get back to like the 60s and that. So that cut it down. Because to do what, say, to play as many games as Luai has, you would have had to have played so many more seasons because the seasons were shorter, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So in the pre-1967 days, that would have been six seasons Yeah. to get to get to 100 games. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it just, uh... it cut it down so much. And so it was a really like... There were certain eras I knew. I like. I knew that the eighties were so. Like I know Parramatta was dominant, but they had to play against the Bulldogs, and the Bulldogs beat them sometimes. So that ruins everyone's records there. You know. Yeah. Uh, well, the other thing too with the the final system that we had in the forties and fifties mm-hmm. was really condensed. There was like yeah. semi-finals and then the final for for most of it, and then it got into like three weeks of finals. You have a preliminary final and semis, and then the grand final, that sort of stuff. But it was still very few um, and it was easier for teams to keep their core squad when they were successful mm-hmm. so you most of the dynasties you'll find historically were in the limited uh, the unlimited tackle rule yeah and, and I guess that's another thing it's like being in the salary cap era um, 
it, it makes it insane. And, and yeah. it, like we've talked about that from the point of view of teams that uh, have lost ridiculous amounts of games too, where it's to to lose as many games as say the Knights have and the Bulldogs have in the past few seasons is almost impossible in the salary cap era. But similarly to do what Luai has. And, and it was interesting because I had people say, oh, what's his record with Cleary? And it's like, well, Cleary has a lower winner percentage than he does. So it's probably worse, you know, like it, every everything you could try and take a dig at with Luai's record, you just couldn't. It was just like fucking rock solid. I was really surprised. I was really, really surprised. Yeah. I mean, a good example, too, of that, um, you know, teams being able to go on a run for several seasons with success. Mm. You look at the two polar offsets through the 50s and 60s, and that's the Bulldogs and the Dragons. Mm-hmm. The Bulldogs beat the Dragons in 1953. Yeah. And did not beat them again until 1967. <laughs> oh, Jesus. The best they got was a uh, four-all draw in 1963, but that was... Uh, essentially, that was 26 losses and one draw in that period. What's, I wonder what the longest losing streak is in the modern era. Oh, it'd be the West Tigers against someone. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what Actually, I was thinking. I think or Western Brisbane, suburbs? Melbourne and Brisbane, I think, from memory. No way. Yeah, let me look it up. I'm sure it was. Uh, you know what? There's Penrith, a long one. Penrith didn't beat, while well, they were coached by Matthew Elliott, they didn't beat the Storm ever. You got Melbourne have won their last 13 straight games against the Broncos. Wow. The Broncos' last win against the Storm was in 2016. 2016. Okay, check out the – man, this is the sort of stuff me and Andrew do when we're not recording, <laughs> huh? Um, check out the Panthers' record against the Storm, and it will be like the early the, – the basically the Elliott – yeah, 2006 to 2012, they lost 11 straight games. Okay, yeah. Because during that time, it was just like, I, that was a write-off game, always. Yeah. It was like, not competitive, just forget it. Just enjoy watching the storm. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't too bad. It wasn't like the uh, the Tigers versus Canberra from a few years ago, where the, you just clock up Canberra for 50 points. Yeah, that was crazy, that one. And then they went and did it. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, Canberra will win by 50. And then when it was like 56 nil, you were like, oh, Canberra played all right. <laughs> yeah, the sports betting options that have Canberra, like a dollar five to win by 50 and about $19 <laughs> to win by three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. That's funny. <laughs> uh, uh, I wonder, I feel like some of the, like, is it Sharks playing at Manly or Manly playing at Shark Park? It was one yeah. of those which it was a bit – it was a weird record like that. The Sharks had a horrible record against Manly for a long time. I yeah. think they've only recently started turning the corner on that. Yeah, I think it was only a few years ago, hey? Uh, let's have a look. Yeah, they've won their last two games at Brookvale. The Sharks have. But, yeah, I think they'd, they'd won single figures there. Yeah. Uh, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, they've won seven games of Brookvale since 67. That's insane. That's out of 42 games. <laughs> and two of those have been the last two games. Yeah, man, that's crazy. I feel like there'd be a Wollongong one, and I don't know why. Like Wollongong playing against, like, 
I don't know, like Newcastle or someone weird where it, they just, they for whatever reason, it just didn't work? Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll have a look. I don't think there was any there. Let's have a look. I can't imagine Newcastle's won many against the Storm, hey? Theirs has actually not been too bad against the Storm. Really? Yeah, them and um, the night, uh, the Bulldogs have actually got good records against the Storm. Yeah. The Bulldogs for a long time. Let me just check that before I go back to this. The Bulldogs for a long time were the only team that had a winning record against the Storm. Oh, wow. That's obviously changed in recent years. <laughs> when you, when they've you lost look... seven of their last eight, which probably fucked that up. But uh, let's have a look. <laughs> 45 games. Yeah, well, there you go. 45 games. Melbourne's won 23. Bulldogs have won 22. Wow, it's pretty even now. So the, the Storm only just got past it. Yeah. When you have a look at Penrith as a club, their overall record since they've come into the league against every team it's basically a losing record against every team. Uh, yeah, I think it's horrible. A few teams in the, um, like those teams that came in in 95, they've probably got a no-cut record against. Yeah. But, but and, overall, and it's not great. So I think some of their better records are against teams that don't exist anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. They've got a one-win, three-loss record against the Adelaide Rams. Yeah, see? <laughs> Fucking sweet. Our bunnies, the Rams. How's that for you? They lost 22-16 and 36-16 in 97. Then in 98, Penrith won 54-12 and then lost 35-18. <laughs> Let's not uh, worry about having close games, fellas. Let's just get flogged. Yeah, it's just floggings either way. Um, yeah, when you, when you look, because I started looking through all these records and when I, I thought, I wonder how Penrith's record is and it, it was just losing record in everyone, absolutely yeah. everyone. I mean, for the best part of the first 20 years. They did fucking nothing. They they were putrid. It, it like, it's yeah. pretty amazing that they stuck with them. Hey. Yeah, they they know what the West Tigers are going through. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> this sounds <laughs> fucked, right? Mm-hmm. But as putrid as the Panthers were for those twenty odd years, the West Tigers are like nine years away from that. Yeah, because Penrith started out <laughs> shit. Stayed yeah. for a while and then slowly improved, whereas the Tigers have been mediocre. Sorry, they started out average, then got mediocre, and they've been slowly getting worse. So they're getting further away from where they need to be. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so um, they need more teams to come into the comp so they can keep digging lower. <laughs> I, was, I just think it would be funny if, like, Jerome Luai lost his first five games against the Dolphins. <laughs> and it's just like this real fucking weird marker out there with the dolphins. He can't beat the dolphins. Just this weird outlier. Yeah, yeah. I like outlier stats like that. That'd be crazy. We <laughs> <laughs> just starts losing games against the Tigers and no one else. The, well, the fucking Tigers one is crazy just in the fact that they're that close. <laughs> Every team has got a bunny. And it's weird <laughs> that that happens. Yeah. Imagine, isn't it, I guess it's just luck that the Tigers don't make the finals because maybe they would have never let this Panthers back-to-back premiership thing happen. They would have beaten them in the finals. I, it's, it's, who knows? That's crazy. I mean, you look at this record here and Penrith 
have been since 2019, right? The first game of 2019 when they won that atrocious fucking game 9-8. Remember that thing? No, I don't. I don't. Oh, don't you remember? I think it went to Golden Point. It was an absolute fucking just dog shit game oh, of football. No yes. one was good. And, and yeah, because I remember the the joking being like, thank God yeah. it's over. I remember that. Well, that game, that was Penrith's fifth straight win against the Tigers. And since then, they've played uh, what, seven games. And Penrith have not been able to win more than two in a row. That's pretty so the, the Tigers beat them in the second game in 2019, 30-4. Penrith won both games in 2020. The Tigers won the first game of 2021. Penrith won the second game there and the first game in 2022. And then the Tigers won this year. The Tigers' record is what Parramatta fans think their record is against Penrith. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. That was the other one I looked up was because uh, I saw somebody saying, oh, Parramatta's got a good record against Penrith. And I was thinking to myself, do they? So I looked it up and like it's a losing record. It's like they've in the last 10, they've won four of them against Penrith. Here we go. For, since... 2010, right? The second game of 2010. Yeah. The Tigers and Penrith have won 11 games each. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> that's really crazy. That's that's just. It seems wrong to be saying that, given how how both sides are performing right now. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're writing a, a history of the game book right now. <laughs> You could just skip the West Tigers. There'd be a lot of talk about this Penrith team no one could beat, but then you look at that record and it's like apart from the West Tigers. Hiccup. What the fuck is that about? I know there's been a couple of games where it's been around origin, but that that doesn't account for all of it. I'm not like, but there's a couple there that are origin affected. You sure? I don't think any Tigers players have been in origin. (laughs) (laughs) there we go um well i guess that's pretty much it for this episode there's not much more going on no no uh it's been a good episode it's been fun it has indeed it has indeed um so we've covered a bit of everything there you've got Mm. a little bit of history in there some fucking psycho shit murdering Mm. animals why not good laughs uh firefighting nuns (laughs) You're not going to get that anywhere else. What does goanna taste like? Mm, how would you kill a snake? How, how, how deep can you get inside a cow? <laughs> well, you told me. I thought it was up to the elbow and it's up to the shoulder. It's up to the shoulder. You're going to get all in there. Mm. We're not here to fuck spiders, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you check us out on the socials on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, there's probably others. Someone else is probably organising that. You know, check us all out. Like us, share us around everywhere. Get, have a chat with us on Twitter while you still can. And uh, we'll try and check that out where we can. And uh, we'll catch us all next time.